I'm pushing P. On capital P, I write these president, count presidents. Push P. Portuguese on her knees, mopping down a P. She let me squeeze and she leave, cause she keep a P. And we back. Show you been missing. Bet on me. Uh, your host, Flem. I missed you guys. I'm back. On the precipice of uh, of uh, conference championship weekend. No, it's not conference championship. I'm sorry. It'll be the divisional round. My apologies. The divisional round will be uh, going down starting this Saturday of the NFL playoffs. Um, a lot to get into today, though. Ton to get into. Uh, I want to start here. So, I was thinking, right? And I've lately gotten into uh, cooking. By lately, maybe the last eight months or so. No, a little longer than that. Um, a little longer than that. But... I've been into like trying new recipes, new things. Latest thing I tried was uh, mahi mahi. The, I think it's a form of a dolphin. What I heard. And this is, this is through word of mouth. Uh, <laughs> but I do know it's a saltwater fish. It was the first saltwater fish I decided to uh, to cook myself. Um, but I say that to say I got to thinking about ingredients. So, to any great meal. I think you need uh, great ingredients. I think to make a great meal. That's just my opinion. I think that's why Chipotle thrives. You know, is, is McDonald's really good? You know what I mean? Like when you think about it uh, and, you, and you compare it to uh, actually, you know, great meals with great ingredients. But I think the ingredients go a long way. Um, so. Even with like your ice creams, desserts, whatever. But when you have premium ingredients genuinely going into a product, it'll make it better, uh, genuinely. Now, the uh, the other part to that though is this: that I it's on the it's on the chef to make a great dish, even with great ingredients. It doesn't mean necessarily that you'll have a great dish, but it got me thinking to this analogy. And it got me thinking to this scenario. I started asking myself, are the Chiefs a dynasty? Are the Kansas City Chiefs a dynasty? Can I consider them a dynasty? And not by accomplishments now, but the same way through other dynasties. Through the Patriots dynasty, you were living through it. I mean, you didn't in the moment necessarily know or speak of it, but... Now that it's gone and it's and it's in the wind, and we can look back in retrospect, you know, we can say that was a, that was a freaking dynasty. Uh, same thing to the meal analogy. Uh, you know, you you see it, you haven't tasted it yet. You don't know if it's amazing or not. You know, you, you know it's made. This place claims they have better ingredients. It, it looks the part. Now you're really getting into okay, biting into it, going through the meal, how it goes down. And you don't know till the end of that meal. This was a good meal. Was this a good pairing? Was this was the um, the collection of good ingredients and and well prepared hands and 
meal experience and the ambiance all at the end of the day turning into what could be considered a great dining experience but the same thing i thought with the kansas city chiefs so let's start with the ingredients or the ingredients there for a dynasty ask yourself well you got a hall of fame head coach i tend to think that's an ingredient for a dynasty if you head coach through a dynasty you're locked for the hall of fame if your name as a head coach is associated with the word dynasty you're a hall of famer sleep easy so that's in their favor so the premium in the ingredient category and head coach all right let's go quarterback i'd say the quarterback is transcendent not even a hall of famer i think he's changed the game of football That's an overstatement. That's an overstatement. There there have been gunslingers before. He's a little more flashy with his. But there have been gunslingers before. But I, I, I'd safely say right now, if I had a future bet, and it maybe included half of what I own, I'd put it that Mahomes makes the Hall of Fame bar an injury. So you can answer that the way you want. Maybe you don't see Mahomes as a premium ingredient. Put it that way. Uh, don't know what you're watching if you don't. But that could be your cup of tea. You could look at him and see a rogue guy that's not going to make it. It's going to fizzle out in a few years. You know, Lee maybe hadn't figured him out yet. I don't personally see that. Um, but hey, you know, that could be definitely your prerogative. But anyway, so quarterback, let's check that. Check that as a premium ingredient. So now we got to think of playmakers. Hmm. Well, you've got two of the fastest individuals in the league. Uh, and not just gadget fast. One, Tyreek Hill, caught over 100 passes for you this season. He proved, if you thought he was a gadget guy, if, if for some reason you, you still just thought like, yeah, he's just a nine route guy. This year, all that, all that silence, all that is silence. So let's check the uh, box on premium ingredients. Uh, let's throw in some uh, Travis Kelsey, who isn't transcendent, is a tier under transcendent, and I again make a safe future bet saying that guy's gonna reach the uh, HOF. So it's called Kelsey, a premium uh, ingredient. Then on the defensive side, guys like Chris Jones, Tyron Matthews, you know, he's, he's a good salt. I don't think he's a slouch ingredient. But what I'm saying is this. Ask yourself with, with other dynasties that you've encountered, are the same boxes being checked? Are they checking enough boxes? Do they have enough people right now together where you're willing to go out there on a limb and say, you know what? We could be in the midst of a dynasty. And with that thought, I've shifted the way I feel inside. I think the Kansas City Chiefs will win the Super Bowl. I do think they're a dynasty. The more I get to thinking about it. Now, will they become one? I can't see the future. God forbid Mahomes could get hurt, anything. 
So I can't guarantee there'll be a dynasty. But what I can promise you, in the same way Chipotle can promise you in, in these high-end restaurants, is we're going to use, they have better ingredients. They have better players than any team in the league. And at all the appropriate and right spots. Like Washington has great players all on the defensive line. How does that help you? How does that help you? It helps to get you to six wins. You know, that's what that's what that does. But them, they've been able to gather a dynasty quality amount of players. I was going back and forth on, on them and the Bills this week. And I I just think I think the Bills have good players. I think the Chiefs have a lot of Hall of Famers. I think and and I think that's it. I really do. I think the only other arguable person that might even sniff it is Stephon Diggs. I think Stephon Diggs is probably the best playmaker outside of Josh Allen. But ask yourself about the Kansas City Chiefs. You can see Mahomes having a bad game. Tyreek Hill catching six for 158. Kelsey going nine for for, for 120 and, and three touchdowns. It's scenarios you could talk yourself into. I'm honestly thinking the the winning scenario for the Bills is kind of one way. The same way I I felt like the Patriots couldn't negate the Bills. I'm not going to get off of that. I think the Bills live and die with Josh Allen, which isn't a terrible thing. You should. It's your signal caller. It's your quarterback. That's not a knock to them. But if we sit down at the table and we start figuring out how we're game planning against them and how we're going to attack them, that's it. That's it. Why would we attack them any other way? Why would we, uh, you know, bog down on Singletary or Moss? Why would we do that? Why wouldn't we attack Josh Allen? Why wouldn't that be our strategy? And the reason is, and the answer to that is that it is it is the strategy. You're going to try to negate Josh Allen. So in, in the gist of that game, and it's going to be a good game, And it's it's a pick'em, to be real. They put a half point on it. It's one and a half uh, going Kansas City favorite. Kansas City is the home team. But it's a pick'em. And Vegas is saying they think neutral field. The Bills are a little better. I disagree with that. The more I thought about it, if I had to go head for head, offensive coach, defensive coach, better coach. Period. I'm going Andy Reid. If I had to go quarterback, that's a coin flip. That's that's your flavor, you know. That that's ice cream, you know. Ice cream is ice cream, you know. Your flavor is your own. So let's let's even neutralize there. Running game, I think they're about the same. I think both teams are capable of busting out a hundred yards, but but neither team depends on their running game. Neither team. And Andy Reid's never been known for for a, a overly heavy run centric offense, so don't expect that. Tight ends comparable, but I do give the nod to Kelsey. Wide receivers, 
almost a negate because Diggs isn't the only receiver there. Beasley is not a slouch. Uh, voted top 100 player by his peers. I think I take a ton of value into the top 100. I take a ton of value into that. It's not just a, uh, a cheesy kind of TV show to me. I take a ton of value into that, of the actual players voting on who they think are the best players in the league. I take a ton of value to that. Um, but I say that to say Beasley voted top 100 player by his peers. He's not a slouch. Uh, if I had to give a nod, I just think Kansas City has a more explosive passing game. That ain't hard to say no. I just watched the Bills go seven straight drives with touchdowns. That's not true. Uh, I could even negate him there. I could argue Diggs, the leading receiver last season, uh, is you know what I mean, is culpable with Tyreek Hill, who just this year proved he wasn't a one-trick pony. So. Um, I'll negate him there, but even still, uh, Bill's nod with the defense, but I don't think this game is the kind of game that's going to come down to defense. I really don't. Uh, and I don't think Kansas City doesn't possess playmakers on defense either. You got one of the best, you got an all pro, uh, all pro first team, all pro, uh, defensive lineman and Chris Jones. And then you got playmakers on the back end, like Tyron Matthews. You got the honey badger back there too. Micah Hyde's good. Yes. But at the same time, I, I I think both sides possess playmakers. Um, if I had to give a nod, though, it is Buffalo to the defense. But overall, I just couldn't talk myself out of the Chiefs just not having better players. And that they possibly are sitting right now, and I'm in the midst of watching their dynasty. And their dynasty, to me... Not because of what's been accomplished yet, but I can't argue the ingredients are there. Maybe maybe you can as a listener, but I can't. I can't spin it any other way to me that the ingredients aren't there. They're, they're a ton like the 49ers of the 90s. That's really who their comp is. I mean, Hall of Fame coach. Hall of Fame quarterback, seeming. Maybe not Hall of Fame receiver. No one's Jerry Rice, but I mean, solid receiving core, big explosive receiving core, running game complimentary, competent in the running game. Not gonna wow you. I mean, of all the people to to come out of the Walsh tree, Andy Reid is doing it the best. I mean, Andy Reid has constructed a, a, a football team that, that rivals that of the 49ers in the 90s. I think if you asked Andy Reid, maybe not this team's rendition, I mean, this year's rendition, but the Kansas City Chiefs, once he found gold with Mahomes, that's his Frankenstein. That's his, that's his white whale. I'm, I'm, I'm sure... He's not probably going to say that that's as big as, you know, um, as heavy as lift as far as the making those. Because, trust me, it's a lot of pieces that make that job kind of easy walking into. Like for some reason, Andy Reid stepped down and, and you could hire any coach you wanted. I don't think they I think it's the same uh, Cowboys effect where once Jimmy Johnson left, 
they still win a title after because things are so tight knit. Now, two, three years down the line, maybe stuff starts unraveling. But I think if Andy Reid stepped down next year, I think the Chiefs would still be relevant. Would they be as good? Arguably, no. But I think they'd be relevant, and I think they could sustain. Uh, but I think that's the kind of time and investment that Andy's put into that since the Alex Smith days, since getting there and, and really getting the players and really grooming and really – that's a culture. You talk about that Patriot culture, Reed's got a culture. Reed's been in two spots, and one thing he he seems to do is put in a culture. So, that was my thought. Um, obviously, I'm going to go with in that game, uh, being the uh, Bills versus the Kansas City Chiefs. But it was tough. But I, I, I just I just had those thoughts, and then I just started asking myself, is this a dynasty? And, and I can't say one way or another whether it is or will be, but I, I can firmly say the ingredients are there. The ingredients are there. And then the the previous ticks on the resume. Won a Super Bowl, been to another. Those are back-to-backs. I, I can't. I, I couldn't bet. I, I thought that betting against the Packers was going to be my my worst option, but the, the closer I get to this thing and really start thinking, betting against the Chiefs right now, until that team dismembers, until you start breaking off Hall of Famers from this place, hard to go against them. Just tough. Doesn't sit right in your gut. Just doesn't. Uh, so we'll break, come back. Got a ton of stuff to get to. Uh, I mean, a ton of stuff to get to. We're going to talk to Wizards really quick uh, because not last night, but the night, uh, two nights ago, one of the assistant coaches from the Brooklyn Nets uh, interfered with a pass. Uh, they were at the uh, Wizards end of the court and ball was passed along the uh, along the baseline and one of the coaches reached their hand out and tipped the pass and then that missed the uh, the ref missed that so we'll come back and talk about that situation uh also how to bet the nets since KD's out KD will be out four to six weeks I'm talking about what that looks like capitals too caps need a goalie uh we're gonna talk a little hockey tonight Caps need a freaking goalie. And it's going to be apparent. And we're going to uh, break down how Ovi. And not a deep breakdown. But Ovi's going to catch Gretzky. And that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool for a guy to spend his whole career here in Washington, D.C. He's grossly unappreciated just because his sport's underappreciated. But uh, you're talking Hall of Famers. And that's been here from day one. Ovi's first year, he shot 52, uh, he sunk 52 goals as a rookie. Anyway, we'll get into that. Um, yeah, you know what I want to do too? Uh, I'm going to go over the dirtiest players in pro sports history. I got a list that I made of just the dirtiest players in pro sports. Going to give a few examples too of why these guys are dirty. Uh, we'll talk dirty play though. And then we'll do the uh, playoff picks and go ahead and get out of here so that's the preview uh 20 minute intro we'll tighten up the other stuff we probably won't have enough time to get to all that to be honest that's a full slate uh see what we can get to though we'll be back don't go to bet on me
Ticking with the competition, what's the word? Put that on my mama, nigga, eight in the process Nigga tryna tip me toe through the progress Tongue tied when the truth is an object What's the pros and the cons of this next check? We been round and wrecking cars And bro, is that jambo? Back, your host Flim, bet on me Alright, we're gonna get right to it So, the other night the Wizards were playing the Nets uh, Nets are there without KD KD's injured his uh, knee Out four to six weeks Nets do have Kyrie back on the road There's a play on the baseline, it's in the fourth quarter Let's start there, this is in the fourth quarter there's a play along the baseline. The ball is passed. All the players and all that stuff's escaping me. So just bear with me, though. Wizards player passes the ball, attempting to pass it to another Wizards player, obviously. There is a Nets player in the vicinity, uh, does not ever make contact with the ball, the Nets player. However, the Nets assistant coach is, also, is sitting on the bench, uh, extends his arm, and leans forward, tips the pass. The pass that's in play. The pass that's in play. There's. There is no room for that in professional sports. There's there's nothing even else to the story. That's what happens. Uh, the, the referee never notices, doesn't see. Ball ends up getting uh, it's 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 hit back into play if you can imagine it because the coach is already out of bounds so his hand is pushing it back into the field of play. Uh, Nets player takes it and they head back down the other way. There's no room for that in professional sports. It's first of all it's the equivalent of uh, that Steelers trainer that stuck his knee out and I forget the team they were playing but that Steelers trainer he was on the sideline. And there was a guy returning a punt Punt or a kickoff one of them And the Steelers trainer Has the opportunity to uh, Not use his foot to trip the guy But he, he extends his knee He extends his knee into a front stance position And uh, and, and nips the guy with his knee and, and to me Yeah he only touched the basketball But man those are the same type of plays The The, the assistant on the nets should definitely be suspended. Let's start there. He should definitely be suspended. If I'm Adam Silver, I am pissed. I'm pissed I even got to deal with P- like PR like this. Because this is con- this doesn't make any sense. You wouldn't do this in a pickup game. You know how many people be mad at you in a pickup game? Do you understand a-, a game at LA Fitness? People would be up in arms. And no one's getting paid. People would really, literally, you'd have a, a a a mob a mob type atmosphere if you just stuck your fucking hand out while you're sitting on the side and fucked with a ball in the field of play. Now, magnify that by a game where there's gambling money on it, where there's fan investment, people paid to be there, people are getting paid to play the sport. Magnify that 
And you stick your fucking hand out and I I I oh my goodness. Let me see if I can get some audio of his explanation. Cause I, I, I just can't. I can't imagine what the fuck was going through this dude's mind as to why. And and I I wanna really see why. So I realized that because he's an assistant, he doesn't have to speak. Uh man, this guy. I don't know. Uh, nothing more I can really say about him. Uh I'm gonna go ahead and get off him. But that spins me to my, my next point. And uh something I thought was fun. Some of the dirtiest players in just pro sports, period. Because make no confusion about it. Make no mistake about it. There's and, and to me, dirty is is non-sportsmanship. It's 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 just when you literally just disregard sportsmanship. It's when you intend to injure people. It's when you tend to disrespect people. It's when you go above and beyond. And just egregiously step on the line. Just to repeat the word, respect of respect. Whether you respect your opponent to play them fairly, whether you respect your opponent to have mercy at times if necessary, whether you respect your opponent enough to have dignity for them. It's a lot of scenarios, though, where in pro sports, you get guys that just don't have sportsmanship so uh, in light of that i create uh compiled a little list right so this is guy named john runyon i want to start with right uh i'm gonna play a clip with john runyon uh it's gonna be uh john madden on the call but john runyon is a uh, former guard for the uh philadelphia eagles and this dude here was a fucking menace. Uh, best way I can just put it. In layman's terms, he was a menace. And by so, he's he's just a late hit machine. The highlights you can watch of John Runyon uh, just legitimately just late hitting people is ridiculous. And, and, and that's the part where I'm saying, like, he just didn't have respect. Could have injured anybody. Uh, here we go, John Runyon, man. And again, just the latest hits you've ever seen. So here, here we go with John Runyon. McNabb back to throw it again. Screen pass Staley, and it's well set up. Flag on the play comes flying from deep. Certainly had the first down. And that was a great screen pass because when you can get your two linemen out there and there's only one guy to It's funny. It was a great screen pass. And, and the flag that's thrown, it's not on Runyon. Here we go. They end up running the replay. The replay has nothing to do with the great screen pass. It's, it's how dirty Runyon is. John Runyon is always looking for someone something to knock down illegal block in the back offense number 34 
10-yard penalty. Repeat, second down. Jamie Reeder. But watch John run. Yeah, let's just watch him anyway. Because when he comes, you better never, ever stand around the pile when John Runyon's That's around. That's one of the first lessons that I ever learned playing in the NFL. Don't stand around the pile. You either get in it or get away from it. That's right. Now, I hear that old school mentality from Pat Summerall, John Madden on the call. Uh, listen, man, the play goes like this. Great screen pass. Uh, play's over. Whistle's blown. It's dead. Yeah, there's a little mob around the pile. Runyon literally dives over three people and spears this man right in the chest. Spears the linebacker for the 49ers right in the chest. I mean, totally spears him, takes the wind out of him, takes him off his feet. Um, there's no place for stuff like that. So, but that's what that's what really got his spark was John Runyon, right? So then we go through the list, uh, just dirtiest players I can think of. Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson bit a man's ear. Uh, needless to say, Mike Tyson's a dirty. And this is the thing. This is the other part. It, it, especially. You make a list like this and you make an all-time list when you when you're dirty and then it's in the the time when you're losing. That's what really 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 uh accents just how dirty of a player you are as a professional athlete. If you're losing and then you exhibit the childish behavior, it just magnifies it. Totally magnified. So, got Lance Armstrong on here. Uh, no need to really go into depth about Lance Armstrong. Lance Armstrong died, lied to America. He uh, sat in front of a camera. He told everybody he was not using uh, performance-enhancing drugs. He was the Olympic uh, medal-winning cyclist. He was the best cyclist in the world. And uh, he was on top of the world. And he got a lot of... Uh, Support because I want to say he had cancer. If I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say he had cancer. And he sat in an interview and he, he told the world that he was not doping. And it ended up coming out that he was doping. <laughs> He was doping at an alarming rate. Alright, here, here's the sound bite of Lance Armstrong denying doping. Cause this guy. I want to go back and, and ask you some questions now, uh, moving off the 2004 Tour de France. Uh, you attended the deposition of Miss uh, Betsy Andrew, did you not? Correct. Uh, I'm going to ask you, did you disclose to any medical professional at the hospital there, uh, well, let me rephrase that, did, you, did any medical person ask you while you were at the Indiana University Hospital whether you had ever used any sort of performance-enhancing drugs or substances? No, absolutely not. So that, that just never came up? No one ever, no, as part of your treatment, no one ever asked you that? No. Can you offer... God, that pause was just so... <laughs> you should see his body language during that pause. Well, she said in her deposition, she hates me. 
Do you believe she's making that story up to, to get back at you or to cause you harm? Whether she's making up that she hates me? No. Do you believe that she's making, I mean. She's deflecting the doping. According to you, the story where she said. Deflecting the doping. Stuff, and then right. she didn't. You remember she testified she took Mr. Andrew out and confronted him regarding whether or not he was doing the same thing. Do you recall that testimony? Yeah, vaguely. But now his memory's spotty. Okay, Other than she hates me. Okay, I, I'm. But let's hammer home. She hates me. With her, I mean, you knew her, and you, you you go back some time with her. And I'm asking if I knew her uh, very little. Very well. I, I know her enough for where she can hate me, and I know she hates me. But when it comes to linking how well we know each other, why would Mr. Andrew? I, I mean, I know her very vaguely. Say the same things. How, if you know, Mr. Andrew uh, said the same things. Um, probably to support his wife, which. I don't know if you're married or not, but I am. Sometimes is <laughs> that I am is classic. I don't cut it here, but this is just this is just Lance Armstrong literally lying, just just lying through his teeth about doping. The man was fucking doping, but he told the world he wasn't. Told the world he was not doping. And that's dirty. That's dirty to win all those championships falsely. And then when people, this is the part, then when people have the nerve to question you about it, you point the finger at them. You become the victim. All the while, all the while knowing that the shit they're saying is spot fucking on. It's borderline sociopathic. Borderline sociopathic. Now, do I expect them to just come out and say, yeah, you know, it's steroids. That's how I'm winning. No. But I'm not here for the answers. The only thing I can point out is that for you to embark on such a journey where you don't even have an out, because that's what you're doing. You're just out there winning title after title, Tour de France after Tour de France, and you won't have a fucking way out. Your only way out is crossing your fingers and saying, you know, I just get through every fucking drug test till I retire. That's literally your fucking plan. That's your plan. I'll just have to find a way to pass every test. No one will ever know. So that's what I am there to point out. So that's all I can point out. I don't have any answers. Uh, I don't think he did either. Pete Rose. <laughs> this is listen, and and then everybody knows Pete Rose for obviously betting on baseball. That's not why I thought Pete Rose is a dirty player. And Pete Rose did not make this list when I was reading of all the dirty players. It was a list of 100. When I was reading and I heard the things Pete Rose had done, the betting on the baseball was the least of my concern. Uh, it's hard to imagine playing sports and then not getting some action. He bet on his own games, too. That I mean, that's you can turn your nose up at it. I don't think that's dirty. And I don't think a baseball player is in a situation where they would come across the ability to – uh, impact a line on a game. I just don't. It, the, the chances, no, granted, is it impossible? No. But the chances are just astronomical that a baseball player is going to find themselves in the opportunity, opportunistic state to say, you know what, we're down a run. Let me box this catch. Or, or we're down, you know, so so I, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. Uh, too many moving parts in baseball. I, I don't buy that at all. And, and, and I don't think, I just think the integrity part with the betting on baseball was Pete Rose's downfall. That was Pete's downfall. And Pete, again, to the Lance Armstrong point, he lied about it. He had to get put on a grand jury. Uh, 
But the reason Pete Rose makes it is that in the 1985 All-Star game, Pete Rose, <laughs> Pete Rose hit, um, no, some Pete Rose is on second. Some guy hits a double. Sends Pete Rose around the bases. He comes around third, and he is coming hot to home plate. Pete Rose destroys the catcher. And mind you, baseball, which is already a, a slower sport, uh, a precautionary sport, a traditional sport to root. The All-Star game is definitely a time where they're just not trying to hurt each other whatsoever. No All-Star game is. Pete Rose is coming full speed towards home plate to beat a throw-in. And he destroys the catcher so much that he knocks him out for the rest of the season. He knocks out some other team's all-star catcher because he just punishes this guy at the plate for no reason at all. I mean, he just comes in hot. He it's it's the equivalent of uh, like a it's the equivalent of a linebacker destroying a kicker. It's literally that. It's literally but but like heat seeking him. Like you can see him like hunting him down. Like yeah, I'm about to. Fucking, I'm about to fuck up Robbie Gold. <laughs> like, like it's that equivalent. It, it's it's that it's malicious, and that's what it was. Pete came around third, and he maliciously just annihilated the catcher, which is uh, what you just can't do, man. That's fucking dirty. Why are you playing this hard in an All Star game in an exhibition game? Why are you going this hard uh, to where you're injuring people? Sammy Sosa, uh, PEDs. But the reason he makes the list, the cork bats. You understand how much work Sammy had to go through to get these specially corked bats <laughs> into his arsenal. He had to make sure they weren't getting touched by bat boys. Like, Sammy had to go through a lot. Uh, and he didn't get caught till the cork bat snapped on him one night. But Sammy was hitting with cork bats. That's dirty. That's fucking dirty, man. That's fucking dirty. That's like an NFL quarterback getting to go out there and throw with a K2. You know what I mean? Like, you just can't do stuff like that. Giving LeBron James a WNBA size ball. Like, you just can't have competitive advantages like that. Sammy's got a bat that just weighs seven less pounds. He's slinging this shit like a fucking, like a fucking bow staff. It's fucking ridiculous, man. So that's why Sammy makes it. Uh, speed through the rest of this. Uh, Roy Williams of the, uh, the uh, Dallas Cowboys, infamous for the horse collar tacker, tackle, uh, broke most famous uh, injury that he put on someone was the Terrell Owens uh, ankle break. But he broke several other legs and knees with that tackle to where they just had to outlaw it. It was a dirty play. When you hurt one guy doing it, to, to go ahead and then move forward and cement it, and then hurt several others. You're a dirty player. Uh, Barry Bonds, obviously. PEDs, but lying about him. Your fucking head was, your head and your shoe size was growing as a grown man. As a 23 year old man, your head and shoe size were growing astronomically. And, you, and, and the dirtiest part about Barry Bonds is that he took the home run uh, record from Hank Aaron, a, a, another black man who legitimately deserved it. A black man who just lit the league on fire. And Barry Bonds cheated his way to that record. And it's a shame that it gets to stay in. But anyway, that's why he makes it. Carl Malone. Uh, I just saw these highlights from Carl Malone. He's repeatedly throwing elbows to people's faces. He's one of those guys. 
He's uh he's, he's gonna get a rebound. He's gonna clear it with elbows, but at face level. And look, I'm I'm not against elbows on the basketball court. I'm against elbows to the face. That's what I'm against. And in no level, even pros is that is that sportsmanlike. That's a flagrant foul. There's, it, no way is elbows at any in any way, shape, or form a basketball play when they become face level. Maybe boxing out a person, not face level. Uh, and too many times, the uh, highlights I saw of Carl Malone throwing elbows face level. He's, he, he was a dirty player. That's a dirty move, and it was his move, and that makes him dirty. Uh, oh shit! I, I got this one in like a a, a pre kind of note. Marty McSorley. Marty McSorley was a player for the uh, for the Anaheim Canucks in the NHL. And this dude, uh, he just high sticks the dude to the face. Dude is literally skating by him, uh, minding his own. I mean, of course you're on a, and you're in the field of play, but minding his own business. He's headed towards the puck. He's not even worried about McSorley, nor necessarily should he have to be. And McSorley just sees the time to just take his stick. Pick it up and literally slash the guy across the face. Um, ends up hitting him, knocks him out, uh, and assault charges were filed. Like on McSorley, assault charges were filed. If assault charges have ever been filed on you inside of a professional game, you're a dirty player. So that's why he made this list. He hit a guy in the face with a hockey stick on purpose. That puts you in the dirty category. Um, uh, Tanya Harding, obviously, uh, she hired a hitman to then go ahead and hit Nancy Kerrigan in the leg. The hitman went ahead with the job, which I thought was even more, uh, which I just thought was just more epic. That Nancy Kerrigan, uh, they were in the Olympics in the gymnastics portion. If you're not familiar with the story, uh, she then there they're in the neck and neck race. Her and uh, uh, Nancy Kerrigan and, and um, Tanya Harding, they're in a neck and neck race. Harding. Hires a hitman to uh, club uh, the club Kerrigan across the knee, um, so there, so therefore she can't compete. Uh, I thought the funnier part of that story was that um, that it was able to happen, that they were able to hire the hitman. He literally went through with the job. He walked by this 17, 18 year old girl at the most, said, "Hey, are you Nancy Kerrigan?" She says, "Yeah," and he just. Whips out this collapsible police baton And just clubs her across the leg One good time I mean end up Police end up catching up with him And then he ends up spilling the beans And it gets back to uh, That it was Harding who set the whole thing up But uh, Tanya Harding has to make this list for that uh, She hired a hitman To get rid of her competition and At the highest level of competition In the, the world games how, how do you not make the, the dirtiest player list with that? So, uh, definitely Tanya Harding makes this list. Uh, and then to wrap it up, man, Bill Romanowski. There's some basketball players I'm leaving off. Uh, a lot of players I'm kind of leaving off. Uh, Ron Artest. Let me say this. Ron Artest needs to be on this list. Just off the top of my head. That elbow, several elbows. Uh, the play against J.J. Barea. Where he clotheslines him. Uh, Andrew Bynum. He can get on here. Albert Hainsworth stomping the guy. And Dominican Sue. And Dominican Sue. Bad teammate and dirty player. He's also stomped the guy. Um, yeah. I could do this actually longer, but 
Those are the guys. But Bill Romanowski, he is the highest fine player in sports, uh, pro sports history. He has been sued by another teammate for a fight that he got in. He paralyzed another player. Um, spit on another player, J.J. Stokes, uh, on the football field in his face. Bill Romanowski, dirtiest some bitch you ever seen uh, in pro sports. We'll come back, close out. Uh, we're already 40 minutes in. Don't go nowhere. We talk to this. I'm s- Jesus Christ. Bet on me, yo. Like Place any bets on me. Yeah, you only get one shot, not two. Yeah. But either way, I'm winning if it's not you. All right, we got a lot to cram into these uh these final two segments. Um, so let's go ahead and do it. Um, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about the Ovechkin. Ovechkin's gonna catch Gretzky. Uh, Ovechkin is 150 goals away from catching Gretzky. He's on a 30. Let's just say 30 uh, goal average per year at this point in his career. And uh, Ovechkin is 34. So he'll catch Gretzky, put it that way. I think he'll be able to, to, to sustain at a high enough clip to go ahead and catch Gretzky. Um, which in, in, the, in the realm of this uh, record, which is the all-time goal scoring record, it, it was at one time believed there'd be no player to ever catch this record i want to say it's, god i don't even want to mess the number up it's an inordinate amount of goals though i mean jesus christ it's an it's a number i mean it is a freaking number um off the top of my head i want to say it's 1900 goals i want to say it's in the 1900 goals uh but anyway uh ovi's got a chance like ovi's got a shot barring injury ovi's got a shot consistency and barring injury ovi's got a freaking shot He's already eclipsed the uh, goals that he had for last season. Last season, he only, uh, of course, it was the condensed season. Uh, but last year, uh, he had 24 goals. He's already at 27 now. So he's going to pass Gretzky. And I say that to say, and then we'll move off it. Uh, if we had a quarterback in this town that was going to pass Tom Brady, if we had a basketball player that was going to eclipse Wilt Chamberlain, if we had a you know, baseball player that was going to out, outdo um, God, Babe Ruth or anybody. You know, any of the greats. Basically, if we had uh, someone in the Nationals that was going to out-hit Barry Bonds for the most home runs in, in history, that's how big this award is. Now, granted, hockey's that small of a sport, though. So, uh, and, then, and then one of these shows, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do the state of hockey and what hockey has to do to appeal to a greater fan base. What is hockey missing? What is hockey not getting done where they're not drawing eyeballs to their sport? And how all and how long are they going to be able to call themselves a major sport when they're not producing major numbers? So uh, I want to get into that, though, because I, I enjoy a little hockey here and there. I'm not a hockey uh, 
addict or whatever. I only watch the caps. But I can say the same about football. Like, I really only watch the Washington football team. I don't watch a lot of other teams. I don't deep dive into a ton of other teams. Um, I'll keep up with as far as, like, the games that I consume in full games. So, anyway, I thought that was interesting, though. Now, we got a Hall of Famer and a all-time great in this town in a major sport. I uh, wanted to shout that out. Uh, they need a goalie, too, though. I did tease at that earlier. They have... Uh, Serf Sonoff, who is their main goalie, and he is 11th in the league right now in goals given up, which isn't terrible, which isn't terrible, but he doesn't play every night. That's the other thing. And I forget the uh, – God, these names are so hard. I, I'm going to butcher it, but it's like Banderchaft, something along that line. Uh, but the the Bander guy – God, what's his ranking? 40 – he's in the 40s. He's in the upper 40s. And when you do the mean on that, when you do the average of that, they're at the lower half of the league when it comes to goals. And, and same thing with like football. You just can't win hockey games if you're just giving up goals. Uh, so they they need to get a full rotation at goalie. Um, that's what they did have when they won the championship. They were they had Braden Hopi, and Bra- and Braden wasn't letting anything get by him. Braden played some of his best hockey. No, I'm not even gonna say some of. Braden played his best hockey during that stretch. And Braden was a force. Don't forget, like we 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 put we we beat the Vegas Knights in the uh, Stanley Cup Final four one. We didn't even sweat that. Um, so Braden Hopi, I mean, he answered the bell. Braden's up there with uh, with New York now. He's with the Rangers, but yeah, man. Uh, maybe they need to punch Braden up, man. Trade deadline's coming up in that league too. But anyway, uh, we already touched on the Wizards. It's actually a full sports page, which is good. Touched on the Wizards, touched on the Caps. No news with the Nats. Uh, Washington football team makes it a full sports page. Won't spend long here either. Rivera messed up. This was my thought towards that. He took the wrong plan and he took the wrong approach. He he just he was he he's just arcading. The league's trending one way and he's just heading another. He's building a team defensive-centric. He's a defensive-minded coach. He's an older coach. And he got Belichick getting blown out like he did in the playoff game. Are the older coaches getting phased out? Because what's going on right now is hot young coaches. LaFleur, he's around. McVay, he's around. Kingsbury just got out. Uh, Zach Taylor, he's around. A lot of young coaches around here. Brandon Staley, if he wasn't so goddamn cocky, he'd be around. Uh, you tell me. Gruden, struggling to be around. Andy, he's good. Belichick, just last year, he wasn't good. Ron, hadn't been good. Hard to call Ron good. McDermott, now he's good. Nagy, he kind of struggled. I don't, I don't know what Nagy is. Nagy's like a middle-aged man. But anyway, um, I say that to say, like, the the approach Ron took with the Washington football team uh, as far as the rebuild, it's blowing up in his face because now they, they're in the offseason and they need a quarterback. He's out of time. So he used all the time on his clock, and now he's at a season in an offseason where he's forced to pick from what's left or what's there. 
And you never want to be in a forced situation. You never want to be on a car lot saying, hey, I need a car. And look at this election. I mean, maybe you land on a, on a, on a Mercedes-Benz lot or a foreign dealership. But let's say the foreign cars aren't there. And let's say all they have is a lot of Buicks. A lot of Roadmasters. <laughs> Let's say that's what's going on on the line. And that's where we're at, where we need a quarterback. We abused the time when we had the luxury to walk around and shop to get the most important asset towards our franchise moving forward. We totally squandered that period. We didn't study for the finals. And now the finals are upon us, and we need to do anything and everything and hope we get everything right. Because now his fucking job's on the line. Now, we still don't have a fucking quarterback. And the only direction I know we're moving in is getting solid on the D-line. What the fuck is that? So, just to bring the full circle to the sports page. It's my take on Washington. Come back. Uh, damn, I need to break down uh, Malik Willis. Um... I'm going to have to push him. I'm going to have to push him to the next episode. Because uh, I want to be clear about him. I want to be clear about how I feel about him. It's a lot to like. And it's a not. And he is the most frustrating prospect. Let's just do it now. He, he's one of the most frustrating prospects you'll ever come across. Because he's good. But he's so reckless and he's so twitchy and he's so raw. Raw is the perfect word because the fundamentals aren't there. Um, but the talent is there. Man, if the talent's not there. Um, arm strength is good. Athleticism is amazing. Um, is a football player. He's a football player. Exactly what he is. He's, to me, Lamar Jackson is a football player. When a lot of people were saying, like, okay, Lamar, uh, I don't know if he'd be a quarterback in his league. Like, and I'm not saying I was one of those beating down, like, oh, I mean, maybe he could, maybe he couldn't. I didn't break down Lamar that much. I did see a lot of Lamar, though. I knew Lamar played a lot of football, too. Um, but I say that to say, I, I think he, they're just guys that just embrace taking the hits and, and what comes along with the game. I see that from him and his on-the-field play, but as far as, like, real draft, breakdown, how do he look, I'm very conservative, buttoned up. I'd pass on him, but there are coaches that are going to love him. Coaches that think they can utilize his potential. Kid has a ton of potential. I just think he'll be behind the curve. He's got a superhero mindset because he's so gifted. That helps some players. That hurts some. The right team is going to be the right scenario for Wills. Uh, Willis. Again, like I said, strong arm, hell of an athlete. Uh, runner. But it doesn't... He's got to refine that passing. He only puts pressure on you. He doesn't even put pressure on you, to be honest. To me, 
even at the first level. His legs do. He, and that's not to say he's strictly a runner. I think his old line was just so bad. Like his running got highlighted so much. Uh, he just didn't put enough pressure on teams to me with his arm. That was my thing. That was my knock on him. And that was what would ultimately make me take another quarterback over him. Only because I don't draft on potential. I don't draft on ceilings. And I don't... Part of evaluating is... This is what I'll tell you. If it's my job to just be transparent with you and I'm not making the draft pick, this is the best kid in here on ceiling, on on uh, on potential. And he and I'm telling you what he's going to do. He's going to have an amazing pro day. They're going to coach him up. They're going to get those feet right. Those feet are bricks. They're two cement blocks. Two cement blocks. I love feet. Peyton Manning's best attribute was his feet. From rookie season to his last season. Peyton Manning has the best feet I've ever seen. Go back look at Peyton Manning highlights. Feet are never, ever stationary on every throw. Whether it's a screen. And that's the other thing. All Peyton's dropbacks look exactly the same. Peyton's not going to lose you breaking down mechanics. Same thing with, with the great. All the greats are that way. All the, all the transcendent Hall of Fame greats are that way. Michael Jordan. Fundamentally sound. Kobe Bryant, fundamentally sound. Uh, I'm, I'm going to throw you with this one, but trust and, and believe in me. Steph Curry, his shot, you, you don't ever hear this. You're never going to hear, man, that was a terrible shot by Curry. Man, he just totally missed it. Curry's shot is the same way every time. way it comes off, and that's how it should be. Same thing with Peyton Manning. Every drop back was the same way, but the feet didn't matter. Like I said, if it was a, if it was a two-yard uh, screen pattern, or if it was a a, a thirty eight yard uh, nine route, feet are always moving with Peyton, always moving, and that's the first thing I look at with these guys. And his feet are the absolute worst I've seen uh, out of them. Doesn't mean a hill of beans sometimes. Doesn't mean a hill of beans. But I'll I'll tell you this though too: if he had better feet, he'd be a better quarterback. That's the frustrating part. That's where I said he's the most frustrating guy ever. If he had better feet, you think he's fast now? You think he's quick twitch now? That's what made Peyton Manning a good quarterback. You look how big and slow. You know how big of a target Manning is? That was the weird part about Big Ben. Big Ben had terrible feet. And that's why he was a statue having to literally stiff arm people and push them off him to make throws. Peyton Manning didn't get touched. He's the slowest guy on the field. But his feet were amazing. He was the quickest guy within two yards. If he had to move two yards, he was the fastest guy. You couldn't touch him. But it was because his mechanics never fold from his day one to his end. But I say all that to say, why I always bring the feet up and why I'm harping on his feet. It's not that like you you'd hear like, okay, he's got two cement blocks and it won't matter. No, it matters because of that. Cause he don't realize like that's that's a quality that's gonna get him to an eighteen year career. Peyton Manning was able to play. Tom Brady, these guys are able to play into their late years and can't move, but they got feet, man. One thing you know about Brady, he can step up 
And that's the, the only time they say that's the, that's the only formula people even give you to beating Tom is that he can't step up when you get that pressure in his face. But even though that's true for all quarterbacks. You know, quarterback's face, man. No one's making throws. Uh, I mean, unless they like, live on the edge. But anyway. Yeah, Willis, um, super frustrating, man. Just so raw is the frustrating part. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't have a lot of really analysis on him. He's he's a typical raw athlete. He's the typical raw athlete. Um, there's one there's one of him in every draft. They look amazing. Ton of potential. And then they get this word in air quotes, raw. There's one of him in every draft. Some years, multiple. I don't know if he's like Wilson and gets mistaken for that uh, and is actually not. Or if he's Tyrod Taylor and actually is the quick trick. Because that's where he falls in between. Ideal world. Granted, mechanics and just overall play, he's nowhere near as refined as Russell was. Uh, Kirk Cousins, too. Kirk was refined. Kirk wasn't as good when he first came out, but he was refined. Like He was a – don't forget, he, he stepped into that Cleveland game as a rookie starter. And that, that tells you just his preparation. As a rookie starter in week 16 and uh, beat the Browns when Robert couldn't play. So for all his woes when he when he first got starting gigs, his first ever start, man, he answered the bell. He had a whole team season riding on him. And and, and that's probably his clutches win ever, to be honest. And he'll never get credit for that. He'll never get credit for the, the time he was literally the most clutch. The guy that gets all the credit is Robert for the time Kirk was ever the most clutch in his life. Go figure. Come back, uh, do the NFL picks and get out of here. Bet on me, your host for It's time, bet on me. It's the funnest part of the show. Close out on picks. Uh, divisional round. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, first game up. First game up, Bengals versus the Titans. Bengals are going to the Titans. First of all, I'm going to tell you like this. I love the Bengals in this game. Bengals are... Plus three and a half. I don't care about that. Doesn't matter. I'm not in this for the cover. I'm not in this for anything like that. I'm in this with Bengals on the money line. Bengals will win the game. 28-26. That is my prediction. However, let me tell you why. I went back and forth on this game. And it's not just because I love Joe Burrow. But Joe Burrow was the uh, 
factor that, that made or broke why I thought about this. This is my thing about the Tennessee Titans, and this is what really made me believe that maybe, not even maybe, they can lose. Their best player is a running back, right? Not even a problem, though. He's an amazing running back, transcendent running back, possibly. He's just coming back, though. I don't know if running backs get rusty, but that doesn't help me. But this is the other thing that made me lose faith in Tennessee. They lost to the uh, Houston Texans and let them hang around and score 22 points. You know who's better than the Houston Texans on offense? The Cincinnati Bengals. They got blown out 36-13 to uh, against New England. They only were able to uh, hold the the woeful New England Patriots, who we saw can't even get out of their own way on offense for 36 points. 36 points. They also lost to the terrible Pittsburgh Steelers in their offense, 19 to 13. Now you say all these, well, like Derrick Henry was out. Doesn't matter to me that much. I don't think the running game on a football team equates to more points. I do think it equates to playing a game better. I don't think it equates to more points, and that's what I think the Bengals are chasing. I think the Bengals know if they can get to a number, their number is 28. If they get up there, Titans can't hang. They can't hang, and that's going to be the edger here. And then it really came down to who I believed in at quarterback. I put the two quarterbacks up against each other. Henry's great. I'd say Burrow negates Henry. Now let's go to this. Let's say if Tannehill's great or not. Tannehill or Burrow, the gap is too large. That's the problem here. To me, that's why the Cowboy Niners game was such a hard game to pick because the gap between Jimmy G and Dak Prescott isn't that big. If you had gave me uh, what you're getting this week, uh, might as well go ahead and tease it, but it'll help make this analogy. You give me Jimmy G and Rodgers as the gap, I got to take the better quarterback. Not Even in that, let's just jump to it. Uh, Bengals, I'm taking them. Uh, I'm just going with the better quarterback. I'm just going with the better quarterback in a plus situation. That's the formula on this show. Better quarterbacks win. Running backs, we know. Jonathan Taylor, what's he doing? Uh, 1,800 yards this year. You know where he's watching the game? From home. Uh, give me the better quarterback. I'm sorry. I got to do it. I know, And, and everything says they won't win. But I got to go for it and I got to do it. Uh, let's go next game. Next game that day is the... Niners Packers already pre I guess pre just told you my prediction. Give me the Niners. Uh, I'm not sorry. Give me the Packers. Uh, give me the five and a half too. I'll do that one on the spread. I think they'll cover that. Packers are a good football team. They were my Super Bowl favorite. Uh, I don't know how I feel about them next week. I don't even know if they'll advance out of this week, but we'll see. But I definitely feel like they will. I think they can beat the Niners. I think the Niners were in a heart attack last week. And they're just not going to have what it takes. They're on a short week. Granted, the Bengals are on a short week, too. But Niners traveling to Green Bay. A lot of factors. Just a lot of factors um, as to just why I don't think the Packers will lose this football game. I just really don't. And then the gap between quarterbacks. Give me the Packers. Give me the Packers. Uh, That's the one I feel safest about. I think the Packers will take care of the Niners. Now, day two. I was a Rams guy early. Give me the Buccaneers. And this is why. They've played each other earlier this season. Tom Brady, and this is why. Tom Brady in the game that they lost earlier this year in week four was the leading rusher for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in that game. I don't know how many times that's happened in Tom Brady's 20-plus year career. 
He's been the leading rusher for the team, but that won't happen again. Ronald Jones is back. Uh, Leonard Fournette is back, and they'll have a balanced attack. I think that was probably what they were missing, playing the Rams first. Stafford got that first win. It'll be close, and Stafford will make it respectable. But to the point of dynasties and trust yourself, I think Brady is just the reasoning to get there. I think, I think their season – Granted, I'm the same guy two weeks in a row. I said, trust your eyes on the Buccaneers, but I'm going to trust the trend on this one. I'm going to trust my gut, and I'm going to trust that the Bucks at home, getting the Rams, Rams traveling cross country, west coast to east. I'm going to take the Bucs. I'm taking Brady, and I'm taking them playing a better brand of football than they did in uh, week four. And then the Bills Chiefs, I already gave it at the beginning. Give me the Chiefs, but this was not easy. If I had to pick a score, it's going to be 31 to maybe – uh, 28, it's going to be a close one. It's going to be neck and neck. I'm telling you straight up, I don't love the over in this. Anytime you get a game at 53 and a half, that's absurd. I don't love that. But everything outside of that, give me the Chiefs, and that's only on that Hall of Fame recipe. So to break it back down, and then we'll get at you and see how these do. I got Bengals upsetting the Titans. Uh, doesn't matter. I just got them straight on the money line. I got Packers covering the spread on the Niners winning at home. That's a favorite. I got Buccaneers taking care of business just straight out money line. Uh, that'll be uh, at home for the Buccaneers. They're a favorite too. And then I'm taking a third favorite, the Chiefs. I'm taking the Chiefs. Uh, I'm just taking them on the – you got to take it on the money line. It's one and a half. So that's all you can take it on. So you just take the Chiefs to win outright, uh, and that's against the Bills. And trust me, you're going to sweat that one. Yeah, you won't sleep good at night on that one. So that's it. Uh, get, Yeah, we'll get after you after Wild Card Weekend. Not Wild Card Weekend. <laughs> Divisional Round Weekend. Uh, and then we'll be talking conference championships moving forward. Some topics we didn't get to today, we'll definitely spin to them. Uh, one I'm really itching to do is the – I'm going to preview – because the Peyton Manning talk really – really sparked an idea we're gonna do we're gonna review especially while football's gone after the super bowl we're gonna start breaking down how we're breaking down the rookie quarterbacks all the great quarterbacks we're gonna not not even currently in the league i mean pastime greats uh current greats we're just gonna start breaking down quarterbacks and really looking at them and really figuring out what it is that makes these guys special and what really makes them tick because that's what you'll really get is, is is a good feeling of how to GM it after that point. Because you'll know what you're looking for. Every quarterback don't, again, like ice cream. Good is good, but you like your flavors. So here we go. I'll be back at you. Bet on me. Host Flem. Made four picks. Hope I get four hits. I'll catch you later. Oh, 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 oh,